Welcome back to the Nomi Podcast. Hello, my married friends. Hello. Hi. Hi. So I have some exciting news. I am contemplating diving back into the world of dating. And I spent, I know, Juicy. really fun, right? Uh, and I only spent, just contemplating? Just contemplating. Okay. We're warming okay. up. This is what okay. I need to talk to you guys about. Okay. So I spent about half an hour filling out an online profile, but it just started bringing up all sorts of questions about what I want in relationships across the board. Mm. Friendships, partners, like mm. I just started to really get in my head and started being like, ooh. This feels great to me when I come across it. This doesn't feel so great to me when I come across it in different relationships. And so I was hoping I could pick your brains about all that stuff today. I love this. I love also just having the opportunity to talk about modern relationships and modern friendships because I feel like so many of the conversations that I had around my dream relationship or what Mm. I look for in a friendship stopped when I left high school. Yeah, I know. And it's so important, isn't it? Because sometimes we don't realize about the nuances that have changed over time. And so I love that you're just introducing yourself to this and starting with kind of the ground floor. Yeah, building from the ground up. And you're so right. I feel like, Madeline, once I graduated college, A, it got really hard to make friends. B, dating is always a challenge for me. But there was just, but I kept evolving as a human, right? So I kept learning about myself. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, how do I connect with people using this info? And also, when we talk about connecting with people when we're learning about ourselves is we don't learn about ourselves at the same pace as everyone else. And so I also feel like in the dating world, and I know Mm. it's not always this gendered, but at least when I was dating, I always found that having been raised and socialized a woman, there were certain like emotional things that I learned by default because of the role I play in society and questions I asked myself in my upbringing in addition to the fact that my mother is a therapist, that some of the men I was dating just didn't ask themselves those questions. And so there was this huge gap between what I was learning about myself and where I was at in my personal self-awareness journey and where they were at. And the gap almost seemed to widen as I aged. Do you have a juicy example? I don't know if I'm allowed to because he's my husband. But I think the reality is that I'm just more used to asking myself questions about what matters to me, what my values are, how that aligns in my life. I'm exposed more to my emotions in terms of social beliefs. I had much more permission to be emotional, quote unquote. And so I find that because I have this relationship with myself and also because it's important to me, my self-awareness journey has just been so much faster than my husband's. And every once in a while, especially when I go through a huge growth spurt internally, I realize when I look at our relationship that I might have left him behind a little bit. And it's not really my responsibility to catch him up. But at the same time, it's tough because it has an impact on our relationship. When I remember myself beginning the journey of self-awareness, it was that's great. I'm aware of the things that are my strengths and how I want to connect with people in a being way, like with around kindness or, 
curiosity or uh, adventures or whatever, as opposed to just the doing things. But I just didn't know how to do that. H- how do you find out if somebody is going to connect with you on kindness? I don't really see that in any of the dating apps because I, after my marriage ended, I went on a dating app and I was like, oh my gosh, there's a whole bunch of interest, but there's not a lot of being connecting. How do we find that out? Mm. Yeah, that was my whole, when I was going through those questions, I was like hiking, kayaking, read all the doing, right? And you're so right. I'm like, how do I start checking the boxes for the being stuff? And it kind of almost got discouraging too, because it was just like, ooh, I don't, do I not fit into these molds? Yeah. And therefore, yeah. like, can I connect with people? Because that's the rest of the question is, if this right. stuff is really important to me and I don't really feel that there's a place for me to communicate that, then how am I supposed to connect with these people? It feels like you're floating a little bit. Right. A hundred percent. I feel like that way in friendships sometimes, too, or just even mm. trying to make new friends. It feels yeah. when there's no doing activity to necessarily, like, connect and it's these deeper sort of things that I'm craving, it gets hard to find it. That's why I love when I'm talking to young people because they're starting, they don't necessarily have the language around it, but they're starting to understand this. They'll be like, so what are you going to do this weekend? Oh, I'm just going to, we're just going to hang. And and then they start talking about this hanging and it's not the doing, it's the being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. We're just going to be in each other's space and we're going to talk about what comes up and we're going to bring in some joy and we're going to bring in some interest and curiosity and maybe we'll do a craft. That's a doing. But and I love it. I love it. Yeah. 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 And also one of the things that comes up when I think about my younger years, because you brought up young people and my younger years and friendships is. I remember having this insane prioritization on friends that were going to be forever, right? Mm -hmm. Long, long, long term friends. I remember just being like, why don't I have a friend group? Why don't I have a big friend group? Why am I such a one on one person? And how is it that I'm not in any of these groups in high school, in college, even though I was friends with one person from each of the groups? So no one ever had a problem with me. It was just, I didn't have a group and I was such an outlier. And on top of that, I wanted a group and I wanted that, you know, American movie, TV show, friends type relationship where these people were going to be in my life for forever and they were going to know me through all these stages and we were going to have all of these memories and nothing was ever going to tear us apart. And holding that image in my mind made me so lonely. It made Mm -hmm. me so lonely and so unappreciative of the friendships that I had right in front of me, even though they didn't look like that. I have memories of many times scrolling Instagram and being like, oh, bachelorette party or just you're right. All these like little group Mm. brunches or these things. And I have always identified as a quality over quantity type of person. Mm. But I have totally fallen into that trap as well and have felt lonely where I'm looking at this and I'm like, "Ooh, I want that. But you're so right. Mm -hmm. I was missing some really quality people who are right there in front of me. And this is where social media, I didn't have that opportunity or curse, (laughs) depending on how you look at it, when I was growing up. And so I learned at a really early age, I wanted to deep dive with people. It's really hard to deep dive with 20 people or 10 people, or eight people, or five people. And like you, Madeline, I would gravitate towards that one person that wanted to join me in a deep dive. And and then, and some of the others weren't interested. And that's okay. I know adults now that are just, they just like the kind of volume 
over mm-hmm. more. And I don't even want to say quality because I think that kind of feels a little judgy to me. I mean, it's just, I, I'm going to say it's just their temperament and that's okay, but they're just not my answer to loneliness. I like what you were bringing up because I think it comes back to knowing ourselves really well because the Mm. more that I started to get realistic with myself, yes, sure, I would like to be a part of those group activities, maybe. But then I started being like, whoa, slow it down. I really am a one-on-one type of person. And so I was able to simmer some of that self-judgment, but it still left me yearning for fulfilling relationships. Mm. And I love mom in the middle of when you were talking about friends, you said, and I'm friends with adults now. So it's just different now. So I was friends with adults even when I was a kid. You know this because I was friends with your friends. This is something I reflected on a lot because people who I connect with have similar stories. The wise beyond your years, the old soul vibes the friends with adults. Like I I have some people in my life where I am better friends with their parents than I am with that person. And I, I realized a huge element of this, especially when I was younger, was that it was a transformational relationship. Because Mm. those adults looked at me as a growth potential, that I had the ability to grow and they wanted to contribute to my growth and they were open to learning from me. And so the friendship did not feel one-sided like it does with some adults when you're a kid and they're like, oh, yeah, that's just we're friends as much as an adult can be friends with a kid. No, I genuinely felt that these people took thoughts and wisdom and insight from me without judgment about my age and that I saw them not as their age, but as someone who could equally contribute to my growth. And that aspect of the relationship was huge for me. It, it caused so much growth for me as an individual. And I think also for the people I interacted with that they had some development and awareness of themselves coming out of that as well. One of the things that I think about is the sort of conformity we put around or the rules and regulations we put around friends. What do you mean you're 10 and you're going to be friends with a 14-year-old, right? Oh, no, you have to have some girlfriends because you identify as female, so you have to have some girlfriends. Who came up with that rule book? And it doesn't really serve me, but it boy, does it limit me because if I go through the whole list of rules and regulations. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm just going to be solo over here. (laughs) So how do we really in this modern world, in this world where loneliness is such an epidemic, how do we throw the rule book out? How do we um, move forward? How do we connect? This is a really good question. And I want to just put it in rather than general thoughts. Yeah. How do the two of you define genuine connection in your relationships? Oh, that's a good one. Thank you. The word that just jumped out to me was quality time. I think genuine connection has a lot to do with spending quality time with people. And what that looks like more specifically is people who show interest in what I'm doing with my life. They're genuinely curious. They're supportive. They want to get to know me deeper. They're curious about my input, my thoughts. And I have a similar exchange. Like I am equally as curious about their perspectives and Mm. the path they walked and what they can add to my life. I think that is probably the thread that runs through all the relationships that I consider 
quality. One of the things for me is a focus on personal growth, right? Is that someone who, like me, wants to be a lifelong learner and grower, whatever that kind of looks like, and wants to come along for a journey rather than a destination. That promotes longevity. And so maybe that scratches that itch, like you were talking about, Madeline, earlier, about I had this feeling that I should be focusing on a forever person. If we're focused on this journey of life, they kind of are people. They may be not in the same quantity of time or energy or experiences, but definitely in soul matching or heart matching. Yeah, Yeah, that's beautiful. And as you were talking, I was just thinking, I'm like a lot of people that I would place into the quality bucket for me right now are people I have not even known that long, right? In the Mm. grand scheme of things. Which is wild to think about. The people that you should be putting in that quality bucket, maybe you're supposed to have known them for like your whole life. And that's really just not true. There's a whole handful of people I've known probably Mm -hmm. for less than five Mm -hmm. years that I would throw in Mm -hmm. there. I have a theory about this. And it's so funny you said that because I was like gearing up to find a way to talk about it, which is, okay, so we talk a lot in career about jumping jobs for fiscal growth. There's a ton of studies out there that have shown Mm. that your salary and your opportunities increase the more you like job hop. It's actually better for you to job hop than stay in the same career. I think it's really similar with friendships, not Mm -hmm. job hopping, friendship hopping as in dumping your old friends for the sake of your own growth. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about how crucial it is to meet new people, especially Mm. through your 20s and early 30s or any pivotal point of self-discovery. Because as we were talking about earlier, when your self-actualization or self-awareness process starts to speed up and you're like, yep, I really know who I am. That's starting to stabilize. I'm starting to build my life around who I am. I know what my values are. I know what matters to me. I know what I want my life to look like vaguely. When we meet new people, we get to engage with them on that as our starting point. It doesn't have the rest of the legacy of the stumbles and the falls. And so what happens, I find, is that person can hold you for who you are truly a lot better than people who knew other versions of you. Because, And it's mm. not their fault. It's not like yeah. they want to be hurtful. It's just that they've known so many versions of you that it's, it can sometimes be unclear <laughs> which one of them is the genuine you. Whereas these new people yeah, are yeah. like, I've only ever experienced Maggie as authentic, grounded, genuine, and calm. And it's, oh, if you had met me a year ago. (laughs) I was going to say that. Yeah, meet me in my early 20s. That was not the case. Yeah, no, I love that. And when we, you were talking earlier about what happens when we're on a different trajectory of self-actualization than the other person, then we really care about that other person. And we don't want to necessarily just leave them in the dust and discard them or whatever. I think about timing. There's people in my life that, sure, there was a lot of time and energy spent and there was a lot of similar paths going along. Uh, We were on the same road of our journey, but then they veered off to the left or maybe I slowed down a little and they sped up or whatever. But I'm a firm believer that if we are meant to cross paths again, we will. They'll always be my quote unquote friends. They just might not be my invested time and energy friends in this moment. That's so important, that distinction. And I have 
a question about somewhat related to this, which is there are a lot of times where my clients or I even remember periods of this for myself, they are growing and realizing that the people who know them can't hold the space for them Mm -hmm. in the way Mm -hmm. they need to in order to nurture that growth. Mm -hmm. And so they do all this stuff. Maybe they have a coach or a therapist or one friend that really holds the space And then they go out and they have these other friends or these group friends where they are just, I feel like every time I'm with them, I regress or I snap back into this old self-criticism and I don't want to dump those people because I love those people or my partner and I are friends with those people. So it'd be so awkward if I just stopped showing up. But I'm realizing the people I surround myself with are just not really vibing with the mentality I or the way they see me isn't the way I want to see myself anymore. So Mm. where do you go in a way that doesn't feel like you're stripping away all of your support and your people and Mm. isolating yourself by default? There are limits to things. And one of them or two of them that are really important to look at are time and energy. We're making choices all the time on how to invest our time and energy. And When we look at it that way, are we going to invest it in something that isn't going to give us a return, any return, or actually put us backwards? Like you said, self-criticism. To me, that's a a price I don't want to pay. We just need to realize that and make our choices accordingly. And it has nothing to do with love. We can still love people and not invest time and energy. As my relationships have shifted and changed, one way I've come to terms with it is going back to like my values. So there's been relationships or friendships that I know are not serving me anymore. And I've tried to play the game where I'm like obligated to hang around. A friend shows up. I just should do this. I should be doing that. And what I found was the more that I pushed myself to invest my time and energy in these relationships that weren't serving me anymore in that moment, it actually was really draining. And I also was not showing up authentically as the person I wanted to be, which in turn made me like a crappy friend too. Mm. And so it actually comes back to, at least for me, like just doing the kind thing. And sometimes the kind thing means taking a step back from the relationship. And there doesn't have to be some like grand announcement or unveiling or like conversation. Like a friendship. The top 10 friends yeah. of 2024 are. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Candace, you haven't made the cut and you're being sent home. Yeah, there isn't a We're voting you off the island. (laughs) Now I kind of wish there was. But yeah. Can you imagine if you show up to a party and there's like a pyramid on the wall and you're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? I love that. I love that. But in all seriousness, I hear both of you. I think one thing that came up as well when we talk about energy is this idea of a transaction. So even when you were talking, mom, about ROI, I think this sometimes makes us fall into the transaction trap where we're like, let me look at all my friendships and relationships and think to myself, do I get enough out of them that I'm putting in? And I feel like in order to actually make the leap, you can't think of things transactionally anymore. You have to think about the growth potential rather than exactly what you're getting out now. Because there's a lot, we all fall into a transaction. That's just the easy place to go. It's a really natural default, meaning I had you over my house. You have me over your house next. Oh, this person's texted me three times. I should probably text them back. It's my turn to initiate. And we just habitually fall into that reciprocity. That one. (laughs) Reciprocity. However, I think that there are some relationships that don't have the potential to be anything more than that. And that's okay. And those are the ones that we need to shed where it's, you know what? I know that relationship. It's never had transformational potential. 
it's not going to change anytime soon. And there are some somewhere we can look at it and say, oh, I've just fallen into a habit loop and I need to just consciously break the habit with that person. I realize that we've fallen into this trap. Is this how you want it to be? This is not how I want it to be. I really yeah. want to be able to push each other to grow and have really deep conversations. And, and I find that we're just not having that. But I, I feel like there's potential here. And so sometimes it's not just about dumping people, although that can sometimes be the case. It can also be about recognizing that potential and then naming it with the person. No, absolutely, Madeline. I really appreciate you adding that because I think that is so important. In fact, so important that Adam Grant just wrote a book called How to Look for Potential or in Leadership or, or whatever. Oh, wow. And, and it's, it, it is very close to what you were saying, right? Those key points of it's about the growth potential. It's about not seeing people for a tit for tat, but seeing beyond that, which is all about growth. I hope that the plant that I planted or the seed that I planted is going to have the potential to grow into a fruit-bearing plant. But like you were also saying, I give it a season and there's no fruit, then I'm, I get to look at the reality that, you know what, I can continue to water it and whatever. I really need fruit because that's what resonates with me. Then I, I do. I just need to think about allocating my time and my energy uh, differently. There are two ingredients that have been coming up in my brain in terms of how to get there, because we've talked a lot about recognizing this and our own experiences, and I'm yeah. sure it's resonating with some people. And so I think two things that can help you to turn your relationships into transformational ones or cultivate those relationships are courage and mm. trust. I think mm. those are the two things. When I look at my friend and I think to myself within the potential, do I trust this person to be able to shift this to a transformational relationship? Because one of the key elements of a transformational relationship is that you give without the idea of the take, right? Mm. Your whole mission can just be to pour into this relationship and you have a deep-seated trust that it will return in one way or another. You're not looking for a tit for tat. You're not in a you do this, I do that mentality. You both pour generously into the relationship, similar mm -hmm. to with our partners. You both pour into your relationship as a third party mm -hmm. rather than what can I get out of this relationship? What is he getting at or she getting out of this relationship or them? Mm -hmm. And it, it's that ping pong back and forth. But that requires trust because mm -hmm. it's really scary to do that mm -hmm. open fall giving attitude, mm -hmm. especially with transactional people. Because if you do mm -hmm. that, you're going to find yourself burnt out in the relationship. Mm -hmm. So trust and then the courage, as you were saying, mom, mm -hmm. that when the tree's not bearing fruit or worse, if they're like it's giving tree style and you're basically a canoe now and you didn't realize <laughs> how you got there. Right. Having the bravery to step away from that relationship. Mm -hmm. Emotional sharing and vulnerability also is coming with me. And yes, components of courage and trust for sure, because we need to bring our whole selves. How often do we not? We just bring parts. How we bring our whole selves is I always say, I'm a mind, body, spirit. How am I showing up emotionally, cognitively, spiritually? And if I'm 
constantly leaving one part of me away out of the equation, that's not going to be transformational because I'm not being brave or trusting it's a safe space or a safe person to bring parts of me. So that's a real telling for me is that when I'm constantly leaving a part of me at home. I love what I hear you both saying. And what is coming up for me is on this path to finding transformational relationships, at least personally, it really required me to learn how to trust myself, Mm. almost like taking the other person completely out of the equation at first. It required me to trust myself and me, like you were saying, Cynthia, to have a really firm understanding about what I had to bring to the table, my mind, my body, my spirit, who I was and what I could show up in that relationship with and give. Because I think sometimes we are giving things that maybe society told us we should give, right, or told us we should bring. And then we're starting off this relationship that has the potential to be transformational, but we are starting off this relationship from a place that isn't necessarily authentic. Because honestly, if you don't know what you want to give, then the thing you'll give to the relationship is what the other person asks for or what you think they're asking for, what you assume they want. But then a lot of times we're like, oh, I find this relationship or this friendship so depleting. And it's like, oh, well, okay, well, how would you want it to be? I don't know. Think through the rest of that. (laughs) If you don't know what you want to be putting in, then you're going to it's just going to go to default states. This is true of everything in life. If we don't put the conscious, concerted effort into defining what we want it to be, it's always going to fall to a default. And sometimes the default is pretty close to what we want. And so we get away. But that's luck. Mm. That's just luck. (laughs) Right. No. And honestly, that's what let me I opened this up talking about like my little foray back into dating potentially. Right. But it was the fact that I have all of this knowledge now and I'm really confident in who I am and what I'm looking for and what I can bring to the table that like even made it okay for me to open that door again Mm. because I was just defaulting and that just left me feeling miserable. It left me feeling like just really defeated because I was just falling back into all of these things that weren't necessarily what I wanted, right? They were just that default as we were saying. So I'm curious, Maggie, knowing just coming full circle back to the beginning, knowing what you're finding me a boyfriend on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Hello, everyone. Maggie at (laughs) nomi.com. But in all seriousness, coming back to the beginning of the conversation, what is your resolve? What's the decision to move forward in this, knowing that the boxes some of these apps are trying to put you in aren't going to work? Like, I'm really curious of what you're going to do to bring this being into the modern world of dating. We deleted the apps. And we're going to start wandering around Home Depot. No, in all seriousness. (laughs) I love it. It's I am still working it out because there is a part of me knowing my personality and who I am that finding somebody through a screen, it doesn't necessarily mesh. I think that it requires sifting through all these transactional things and all of these doing things from the get go. And I don't know if that's necessarily the best path for me. What does it look like going forward? It's just, again, getting clear on what I want and then Mm. putting myself in maybe even situations, not even behind a screen that could lend itself to that. So I love it. What's coming up for me is Maggie's (laughs) going to put herself in potential situations that might bring potential relationships. 
which is a, a science, right? That we're, I think we're all learning because I, I don't think I've ever thought about it in that way of what things have potential first. Once I'm really clear um, about what I want to be and what I want to bring to the picnic, then I want to look at my environment or my situation or the people that you know are in my life and go, is there some potential? It might not be that right now, but where's my potential spots? It just makes me excited. I mean, I practice that a lot with friendships. I think I used to tell myself I had to go sit at a bar to make friends, right? Or go out at till 11 o'clock in the morning to go make friends. And I'm like, that is not who I am. That scene necessarily isn't who I am. So like, where are those people? Oh, I'm going to go plop my butt in a cafe and read a book and make eye contact yeah. once in a while. And yeah. that's, that's more potential than sitting at a bar does. Yeah. It's true. And that's why I joined a lot of different crafty things. And when I would move to new cities, I'd start book clubs because it wasn't about the reading or even the crafting. It was the fact that I really value creativity and I like having meaningful discussions and conversations. And those were two spaces where that was going to happen intuitively around the doing activity. Mm -hmm. But you're right. This It circles back to how we know ourselves and really using those values to inspire what we do and the spaces that we show up in because you'll find that similar people come to those as well. Oh, absolutely. But we do have to be brave and bring our courage. I did this last year. We went, I went to a huge, it's called Psychotherapy Networking Symposium, and it's thousand, at least 5,000 in-person people, and then another 5,000 online. And so I made it my sort of brave mantra to every time I sat in a seminar to look right and say good morning. Mm -hmm. Hi, my name is Cynthia. I'm from Massachusetts. I was in Washington. I look left and say, hi, I'm Cynthia. Was and, the person and, on your left shadier? And that's why you didn't tell them you were from Massachusetts? And I'm from Massachusetts, right? Yeah. Actually, the reason I hesitated is because I was thinking, honestly, the person on my left was my good friend, Annie. And so I, she knew who I was. Informational friend. I wasn't, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't quite brave enough to say to Annie, listen, we're going to sit separately. No. Because part of it was right. I was with a really great friend. But yeah, so I think that it does take that bravery and to allow yourself, like you said, Maggie, lift my eyes up from my book and make eye contact and smile. There's other people who are feeling just as insecure or vulnerable or yeah. trapped and they're out there looking or hoping that someone is going to open the door first. And if we're always waiting for someone to open the door first, the door is never going to get open. That thought is actually my life hack because I'm, an, I'm a kind-hearted, caring person. And so sometimes I don't want to lift my eyes and I can't do it for myself. So I'm like, oh, there's really lonely people out there. So I'm going to do them a solid and make eye contact. Nice. I nice. love it. Also, love random idea, because you were talking about being at a symposium, Mom. And I yeah. think at networking events, it's so common. You hand someone a business card, right? So there's this other opportunity for you to have a discussion when it's not in the middle of a high stakes environment or you can have right. more of a one-on-one -on -one chat. I want to normalize creating business cards for just yourself. Like you don't have to have a business. Ooh. Make a business card with your values on it and like things you like to do. I love it. And it has a little wow. QR code where like someone could potentially get in touch and 
or like a question on it. That's I really like to learn this about people. So submit that here if you want to be friends that you could if you're at the cafe, just like slip that business card on somebody's (laughs) table. Just be like Maggie Glennon. (laughs) I love this. I think that's a calling card. Isn't that what a calling card was? Maybe. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Bring it back. I don't know if it had the strengths and values, but I de- it, de- it probably had the vitals. I live at this address. Here's my here's my phone number or whatever. But yes, it was a way to announce yourself. But once again, you got you had to open the door. Whether, oh my whether God. What, right? There's another idea, though. You hire someone to announce you. <laughs> <laughs> town Can you imagine? At the Starbucks. Maggie has arrived. There was a show called Cheers where everybody knows your name. And so all the people would come in and they'd go, Norm! And everyone would stop and, right, welcome them. So I love it. So that's what I'll do, Maggie, is I'll go to all the cafes ahead of you. And then when you walk through the door, I'll be like, it's Maggie! Right. This is fantastic. And I want to hang out and decorate my card and crafty circle first and then go hand them out, too. I think it's great. evolving. I think it's great. Amazing. I love it. There are plenty of ideas all the way from understanding yourself better and applying your values to your environment to just creating a chaotic circumstances where people shout your name in public. So there's a little something for everyone here. And of course, we have to wrap up with a quote. Cynthia, what is our quote of the episode? The quote of the episode is from Elizabeth Gilbert. Oh, we love Lizzie. Lizzie. And it is to be fully seen by somebody then and be loved anyhow. This is a human offering that can border on miraculous. Agreed. I'm actually very excited because I'm going to see Elizabeth Gilbert in London in April. So that just made me pumped. That space might be a great place for me to say, hi, I'm Madeline and I'm from Massachusetts. (laughs) No, but you're not from Massachusetts anymore. Originally, but yeah, no, they sent me back to the UK because apparently I wasn't American enough. So here we are. We are happy that you're in our space, even if we are only in your AirPods for right now. But thank you for coming and being a part of our community, because if you're here, it means you're probably one of our people and we're glad you're here. We will see you in a couple of weeks. And until next time, be well. Thanks for listening to the Nomi Podcast. If you have found our show to be helpful, please pass it along. Madeline and I are hoping you will join us in creating a ripple effect of mental health and well-being. This is Cynthia and Madeline asking you to be good to you.